Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, to break down what was kind of a busy week on the LSU basketball recruiting front, as well as uh, LSU football getting Jabril Cox uh, signed to uh, scholarship papers, the North Dakota State graduate transfer linebacker that's, that's expected to come in and play right away. But really, this week was kind of dominated by basketball and Will Wade, uh, inking his his spring signees as well as transfer forward uh, Sharif O'Neal. Tigers might not be done in 2020, rounding out that football and basketball class. But we're going to talk a little bit about the basketball signees. And, and Shay, this is a class that is already ranked in the top 10 in the country on 24-7 sports. They might not be done. This is uh, a class that could lead to Will Wade's best team uh, at LSU. Yeah, and uh, I think it, Wade sounded pretty excited this week when um, when he talked about being on the radio. I know he was on uh, the Boot Up podcast uh, on LSUsports.net with Cody Warsham, and uh, I'd heard a bit of that where he kind of said, look, this might be because of this class, and, and like you said, Billy, maybe if you sprinkle in another name uh, or whoever down the stretch that we're not talking about right now, and they'll settle out there. Uh, NBA draft guys will talk about that, but uh, point being, Wade said, uh, that this has a chance to be the best team that he's had in the four years he's been there, and he feels pretty confident in it. So um, let's get people familiar. And, and you know the basketball program as well as anybody. You cover it in recruiting uh, when it comes to LSU better than anybody. So uh, throw it into layman's terms for us. Uh, us folk out here who simply watch all the basketball uh, team throughout the season, uh, and I guess not into the tournament this year, unfortunately, but uh, don't keep up uh, with maybe how these guys transition into the program uh, as well as you do. So um, start us at the top. And, and obviously from um, you look back into November, Wade signed a handful of guys. He got Josh, Josh LeBlanc uh, in January onto the team, uh, but obviously wasn't eligible to play this year. And then you've got all these spring signings. So a big year of turnover coming uh, in a way, at least guys coming in, we've already seen some leave. Billy, just straight up, who from November to now is the best player that they've signed yeah Cameron Thomas the five-star shooting guard out of Oak Hill Academy he plays on a national schedule at the high school ranks or did when he was playing for Oak Hill he filled up the score sheet as well as anybody in the country and he did that as well over the summer the past two summers playing on the Nike EYBL circuit he led the league in scoring which that's the number one circuit in high school AAU basketball that's where all the best players play for the most part. Each each circuit will have you know a handful of guys that are lottery pick type guys, but top to bottom, it's the EYBL that leads the way. And Cam Thomas can score as well as anybody that I've seen, honestly, since I've been doing this. And and, and that's what Will Wade said as well. And I got I got to see Cameron Thomas probably about three or four times, which is actually a lot over the course of you know, a guy's career on the AAU ranks where you kind of bounce around and try to see as many guys as you, as you can. But Cam, I was able to see three or four times and he was just explosive. He got to the rim so easily. And, 
And I'll say this, people will immediately kind of see big numbers on a score sheet and say, oh, well, he's, he must be lighting it up from three. I want to be clear, he's not this lighted up from three three-point shooter. So just know that he's kind of somebody that gets the basket with ease, can score, has a mid-range, things like that. Um, but he's not just a sniper from beyond the arc. Um, I think LSU is still um, kind of looking for that. I think Sharif O'Neal could be that. The transfer from UCLA, uh, they really do like what they have coming back in Charles Manning, which we'll kind of talk about a little bit later. But uh, Cameron Thomas, without a doubt, the number one guy uh, in this class so far. Well, let me follow up there. He's the number 24 player on 24-7 sports, number 23 on the composite. That makes him a borderline lottery type. Uh, option, uh, at least if you were counting one draft class. Uh, a, you mentioned he's a lottery type pick, so leads me to this. And as a true scorer, um, does he remind you, has there been a, a scorer like this that Will Wade's had on his team where you would say, hey, uh, at 6'3, 180, that's kind of what Cam Thomas is? Yeah, probably, probably not. And I, I guess maybe if Tremont was, you know, eight inches taller or whatever. Right, yeah, sure. Uh, maybe, but. He hasn't had this at, at LSU, and and he's expected to come right in and step in for Skylar Mays and play at a high level. And Sky was an All SEC player this year, and at one point in the year was kind of a favorite to be the Player of the Year in the in the league. So for Cam to kind of have those type of expectations just shows you, I think, kind of what to expect from him uh, when he comes to to LSU uh, this fall. Well, we know uh, Christian Watford has entered the NBA draft. Uh, Darius Days has as well. We'll touch on that more in a second. But a chance those guys come back, a chance they don't. Regardless, we knew there were some needs for this team um, for over a year straight, uh, dating back to this past year's team. You talked about wanting rim protectors. You talked about bringing in uh, true scores to replace the likes of uh, a graduating Skylar Mays. And you've got, uh, obviously, Javante Smart out there. What was the biggest need? kind of this team or excuse me, Will Wade had in, in mind for this team going into the 2020 season and, or I should say 2021 season. And then who fills it? Like who in this signing class was the answer to the biggest need? So I'll, since we're talking about the signing class and those who haven't, or those who have signed, I would say Cam Thomas stepping in for Skyler Mays, um, but I'll also go off of that a little bit. And, and Emmett Williams is somebody that I think, Will Wade has talked about being gone since the beginning of this past season. And, and he hasn't made an announcement yet. So we'll see, maybe things could change, but if Emmett Williams isn't back, Josh LeBlanc is outstanding. And while he might not be eligible until December, we'll have to see kind of how things play out. And they do get, you know, the immediate eligibility approved by the NCAA, but he's somebody that is probably as big of a need as any, as anyone. He he can rebound. He plays really, really tough defense. He's got a motor that never stops. So while he's not in the high school ranks and he's already been on campus for a little bit here now, he is uh, kind of exactly what Will Wade likes in, in kind of a wing four uh, type of player. I mean, he just plays so hard. He'll raise the competition level on this team overall. He really hates to lose. And um, he, I'm really excited to see him. I saw him as a recruit and, all he did was just get rebounds and, and affect shots and play great defense. So uh, he's uh, he's somebody they're really excited about in this class right now. You mentioned Josh LeBlanc. Was he a guy that was able to practice with him at all? I know he joined the team in what that was January uh, after originally going to Georgetown. Has there been any sort of feedback on 
and kind of how he's looked since being here? Yeah, he he has been able to practice with the team, and really he's getting with uh, Greg Golden to continue to get bigger, get stronger, do all those things. And uh, he is somebody that really pushed Emmett Williams, really pushed Darius Days in, in practice. And that's something that this year it was tough to do. If if last year's team would have been around, and and I mean that in the Nazarees and Cavell, and they had all this depth and things like that, Josh was on the scout team, they really could have had some wars in practice, and it really would have you know, been not at that extra level this year without the depth, they kind of had to take it easy. But uh, Josh made it really difficult for those guys to score and, and make plays whenever they were scouting the other team. He played on the scout team and was really, really good. He'll just need to continue to develop in the weight room. Well, 6'3", 213 uh, is about the range he's listed at for a, a small forward, power forward type. Uh, wherever you plug him in, it seems like that'll be a lot to handle. Um, all right, so we you mentioned this, and we've got to catch up on the current team now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Trendon Watford turned his name into the NBA draft pool. He can come back. My guess would be that he was always felt to be a one-and-done type player. Um, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong there. You touched on Emmett Williams. No decision publicly yet, uh, but as you said, the anticipation uh, long before today was that uh, he was going to go pro after this season. So chime in here. Charles Manning, who I found to be one of the most entertaining players to watch this year, especially in stretches where they needed someone on the bench and then he moved into the lineup. But uh, regardless, it seemed like when guys didn't really, you know, beyond Skyler and another guy or two a night, weren't giving it all their all, uh, especially defensively. It seemed like Charles Manning was a spark can grow into more than that uh, with the announcement that he will come back. And then Darius Days test the waters. And uh, Billy, I'm assuming that's a guy that Will Wade says, hey, go get a draft grade, but we're you know expecting that you'll come back another year. Yeah, I think for, for Darius, remember, remember, we kind of talked about this uh, right as the season ended. Days is the one that <laughs> last year said, I'm coming back. What are you talking about? Will Wade suspended all of this. I mean, he announced, uh, that he was returning to LSU for a sophomore year before Wade was even back. And uh, that was kind of uh, weird because that whole team had declared for the draft, I think trying to send a message to the administration and things like that during that whole time. But uh, Days is the one who's like, I'm coming back. And Will Wade calls him the mayor of LSU for a reason. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow might be uh, the president or the governor one day, but uh, you know, Darius Days has a good grip on the mayor of LSU right now. And, uh, so I think, like you said, he's going to go get a draft grade. Uh, he's probably going to come back. I would be shocked if he didn't. But since he didn't do that last year, this is his year where he can really get some feedback, know that his junior year he'll have the chance to really make some waves. And and I've talked with a lot of people about Darius around the program. So many feel like he'll one day be an all-SEC type player. And the way he's – developed i think he kind of struggled at times with with the starting role this year but i think there's very little doubt that he'll be back and and he's going to have a great junior year i think the feedback will only help that for him and manning coming back is big he was the team's best defender they really missed him more than anything his athleticism his compete level all those things um trendon yeah he's was kind of a projected one and done i still kind of lean towards him coming back i think the issue with that really? is, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just have well, He's not a lottery pick, is he? He's not a lottery pick on, on many draft boards right now in mock drafts, and he really hasn't been seen in the first round 
uh, as of late. I think some of his defensive issues kind of hurt that at times, but who knows, man? I mean, like you got the G League offering, you know, some serious money for some of these high school players now. It, it can kind of go a couple different ways, but I feel like he's somebody that can really impress in a meeting room. He's very well spoken. He's got a high basketball IQ. He plays really hard. He just kind of struggled at times defensively this year, and so um, I think having a draft process where he can get in front of teams is the most important thing. And right now that doesn't appear to be the case. So I think there's a long way to go in that one with kind of the draft process being pushed back, but I would just kind of guess on a gut that, that he's back. Well, speaking and we'll do a little transition here, Billy, let's, uh, let's move to the NFL draft, which will obviously dominate conversation here recently. And you mentioned uh, interviewing. Well, uh, Joe Burrow has done that. Uh, he's interviewed well. He's played well. The film this past year looked great. And then uh, today, Twitter exploded, not just for Joe Burrow, but for all quarterbacks. Billy, we got our Wonderlick scores back. Uh, there's rumors out there uh, that you took a Wonderlick today. You're a former quarterback, so we'll put you into this draft pool as well. But uh, the notable news for our podcast, your boy, Joe Burrow, in a 34, which is the third highest uh, of all NFL draft picks. Uh, are all NFL quarterbacks in this draft uh, draft pool. Uh, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I'd actually said that was the second highest. I missed your man, Nate Stanley at Iowa. 40, uh, which is an impressive score, obviously. Uh, Jake Fromm hits a 35 at Georgia. Burrow with a 34. Then you get down to Hertz, 18 to a 13. Obviously, some other guys in there, but what are we making of this? Are we supposed to be giddy that now we know Joe Burrow is smarter than we thought. I think if anything, uh, and I haven't been around social media enough today, but people would be saying, what's up with Tua? What's up with a 13? Yeah, this is a big deal. And I, I, I don't really care, you know, what people say about, you know, how they view the wonder look in their own mind. But I'll give you this. I was reading up on this because I was now very, very intrigued, even more so because I had been high on Tua as kind of somebody that had a really good career with a lot of good people around him, certainly has a quick release, but I had reservations about how he kind of goes through reads and if that was kind of a thing. I mean, when you play with a team like Alabama, you have so many just options and probably the first one's open every play. And when I saw that he got a 13 on the Wonderlick, it really, if, if I was an NFL team right now, Taken in that top 10, I'd be pretty worried because the Wonderlick is actually kind of a really good indicator on, on NFL quarterbacks and not how they're going to play, but the ones that have longevity, the ones that really can make a difference. Uh, so the stat that I wanted to give you was the average score of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl over the last, I want to say 10 years is what I saw in an article, is a 31 on the Wonderlick. So that is just something that really stands out to me. Do you need, obviously, all the physical tools like a Pat Mahomes and a Russell Wilson and, you know, a Joe Burrow or a Ben Roethlisberger or whatever, Tom Brady? Yes. But I think the Wonderlick is, is really an indicator of, I think, more so than anything, your your attention span at times, because it's a difficult test to take. It really throws your mind into some mental gymnastics. And uh, it's uh, it's very very difficult to uh, to stay I think on topic when you're taking that test even when it's a part of your job interview. I'm sure this is going to be interesting. I'm curious if we hear 
talk of a slide because even through all these interviews, we didn't hear anything negative like that about Tua. He certainly seems like he's been able, um, you know, to analyze and to go through uh, what it takes to be a good quarterback. So I'm not sure how hard I'm knocking him here, but 13, obviously the lowest um, of all the quarterbacks in contention. When you get down into those low teams or single digits, that's when it becomes headline news. Um, what Herbert had a 25, Jordan Love had a 27, um, Jacob Eason had a 23, and I mentioned Hertz and Tua. So that's kind of your group of guys who are going to go early uh, in this draft. And Burrow, for his sake, uh, continues to ace. Looks like everything that's gone in front of him. A super solid score. Not that I think he was sliding out of the number one spot, but I think it makes the Bengals rest even more easy about uh, the decision to take him. Yeah, and I'll I'll say this, and there's you know you can you can find a lot of these out on on Google and search you know worst wonderlicks or what have you. But Vince Young had a 16 on the wonderlick. I mean, Jamarcus Russell, I think he skipped it. You might know better than me on that, but um, it, it's just it's not it's not good when you when you come in with a score like that more than anything. Um, and and some have even had Herbert above Tua. Now I don't think. Herbert is is a great, you know, NFL quarterback. I just don't. And and I just don't understand the high high draft pick for him. I kind of feel the same about Jordan Love. I think if you're a team right now and you don't have Joe Burrow coming in in the in the first round, you're you're in the stage where you might as well just pick one in the third, fourth and see if you can hit like some of these other teams have over the years. I uh I'm looking right now. You made me Google it. So Vince Young had a six, um, obviously one that it's tossed around. 16, I think. No, no. Oh, wow. Wow. Straight up, straight up six. Um, but he was also rookie of the year. Um, then we go to, let's see, Frank Gore had a six as well. Um, but he's had a a well-documented history of been dyslexic or, um, some sort of, uh, learning disabilities. And then people talked about Morris Claiborne at a four. It was, I think it was one of the lowest ever. Uh, but Cowboys traded up to get him, and uh, he did have a learning disability, so he was going above. Um, those are some of the lowest. Man, look at the highest ever. Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, he should be well-educated. He went to Harvard. He had a 48. Uh, ben Watson, who's, golly, still out there. I guess he's just now wrapping his career up, had a 48 as well. Um, and the most uh, highest ever, a 50. I wonder if that's perfect. Uh, Matt McKinley, a punter, um, who also played at Harvard. So uh, it seems like if you go to an Ivy League school, you'll be well prepped. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the average NFL starting quarterback takes a 24 on the on the Wonderlick. So not even the Super Bowl guys, just the ones that end up starting. So we'll see if the uh, tests end up mattering yet. But uh, I think one quarterback that made a lot of news this week was this five-star quarterback, JT Daniels, the former five-star at USC, announcing that he was going to enter the NCAA transfer portal uh, Clay Helton, of course, the USC head coach who returned for another year is kind of, I would say, squarely on the hot seat. They really have been talking with them for a while about this and said, you know what, go ahead and, and explore your your options out there. And, and Shay, any time a five-star quarterback is in the transfer portal, you'd have to think a program like LSU is going to get mentioned and, and evaluate the uh, potential to bring in somebody like that. Yeah, and I think that's where we're at right now with this. And look, LSU signed Peter Parrish two classes ago, and the last update we've had from Ed Orgeron uh, was that he wasn't with the team right now, and he wasn't in any spring practices. It seems um, at this point 
likely that they could move forward without him, which means your backups are two guys who should still be in high school in Max Johnson and TJ Finley, both early enrollees. They got a few practices in the spring before things got shut down. But, you know, your heir apparent to Burrow is Miles Brennan. He's already waited once uh, through a guy coming in. Would you do that to him again by going and taking someone, especially now as a redshirt junior, you feel a lot better about Miles than you did two years ago. So I think their goal looking at transfer portal quarterbacks was could we find someone that let's just say for a year could buy us some time, be a backup to Brennan. So you would sign him and he wouldn't run Brennan off. You'd let a competition play out, but with the expectation that Brennan probably wins it, this guy could give you, it's probably been somewhere and I'm not talking about JT Daniels here. Anybody could give you, you know, has been somewhere playing and could come in and if Brennan didn't play well or he got hurt, he could go in there and not be kind of a deer in the headlights as much as you might think two true freshmen would be, who would be your backups in Finley and Max Johnson. So we never saw them move anybody. It didn't seem like that marriage of what they were looking for matched up. Now you bring up a great point. Yes, Peter Parrish that year, JT Daniels in the same class, he had an offer from LSU. Parrish ends up going, what, a year and then isn't even around the, the team anymore for spring ball. You could replace him with a guy like JT Daniels, who's a redshirt freshman right now, is a five-star and number two quarterback in the country. Like, that's a massive deal. So anybody would be willing to say, oh, yeah, like, let's go after him or let's at least evaluate it. And I think LSU's maybe in a little bit better spot with Brennan and the comfortability of knowing we don't necessarily have to have him. But when you look at schools like Tennessee – who Jared Quarantano's never played well, and he's on the back, of his, back end of his career. They've got Brian Maurer, but uh, they've got T. Martin, who obviously recruited uh, at USC and recruited Daniels to the Trojans. You've got uh, the Shea Patterson era ended at Michigan. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton are there, but do you pass up on a guy like JT Daniels if he's interested? Florida State, the same. You get James Blackman back at kind of the midway point of his career, but he's never done anything to warrant um, not recruiting a guy like JT Daniels, and you can just go down the list. I mean, uh, Ole Miss, Washington, um, does he just go back to USC because he had already flirted with the idea of leaving? Now he's just put his name in the portal. It doesn't mean you got to go, and certainly Clay Helton on the hot seat will take a guy like JT Daniels back in a heartbeat. So we'll hear other names come up. I'm just not, I'm not sure how much they need him now versus how much they needed Joe Burrow then. And, and I'm not saying, look, that wasn't, you know, it was the perfect move to go do that. I just wonder this time around if they're not in a better spot to where you might not have to go get a JT Daniels. You've got Miles Brennan for two more years, and you're recruiting quarterbacks well. Yeah, I would say, look, if if you can get a talent like JT Daniels, because I do believe he's a really talented player, I think you go out and do it. I mean, if he wants to come in and compete every day, which is what Ed O'Gron always talks about, then let him. Now, I don't. I think this job is Miles Brennan's. I don't think this is any sort of like, okay, let's upgrade the position in that regard. But if he wants to sit behind Miles Brennan, if he's okay with that, if he does lose, then what's the what's the harm? Because if you can go, uh, somebody posted on the board, and I think you and I talked about this yesterday. He could, if he got a sixth year for that injury year, if he could have three years. Um, depending on how it works out. And and so, um, or, or if he's ruled immediately eligible, he could have three years technically. And so, um, and, and get a six-year, uh, kind of the NCAA six-year policy or whatever. But 
that would give him two years after Miles Brennan, and then you hand it over to Max or TJ and or or whoever they land in 2021, and that's two years of those guys. So I I'm okay with it if they wanted to, and and I just think you got to recognize that you're one snap, you're one play away from going to a true freshman in 2020 where you can still win the SEC and do all of those things. Is it worth gambling that Miles Brennan's going to stay healthy the whole year? I mean, we you know I I, I would. I would certainly explore it, and and I wouldn't fault them at all if if they went and got him. And what would that say about LSU's quarterback recruiting? If you're able to say, "Come on in, we've got a starter," you're not going to be here all summer because of coronavirus or whatever. But you can come in in fall camp and then spend the year with us and and do this and compete every day. And the guy says yes, where he would probably be, you know, as have as good of a chance to be a starter anywhere else or at USC. It, 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 it's kind of an interesting thing that they'll have to wrestle with i yeah and it's this is all wild times even jabril cox uh signing on at lsu from north dakota state sight unseen uh, because of all yeah. this uh inability to make in-person visits so i'm curious how big of a rush um jt daniels is in if he doesn't wait until he is maybe able to make some visits over the summer that would be my guess uh, and if he doesn't that tells me he probably already had the school in mind uh, before he said, all right, I'll pull the trigger, I'm leaving USC. Yep, I'm with you. And look, we'll talk more about another player that could be on the move on the other side of this break. A former LSU Tiger came up again in trade rumors surrounding the NFL draft. We'll talk more about that on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. We want to say thank you to everybody who subscribed on the big 60% off deal we had on the site over the course of this week. Check around draft time. We might have another big promo for you guys uh, to kind of get in on Go 24-7 around that time, uh, get you guys a bunch of VIP content around that. But, Shay, uh, who's waking up this morning? course see adam Shep doing his thing on twitter breaking some news and that's that jamal adams won't be participating 
at this point in voluntary workouts with the New York Jets when they when those get going next month. Now, those will be virtual. He'll be working out on his own and things like that. But the rumor is, is that he could very well be back on the trade block or the trade watch uh, around the NFL draft. Joe, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, did listen to offers this fall for him. Uh, meanwhile, Jamal was going out and having an all-pro season. And that kind of rubbed Jamal the wrong way. He's open to being a Jet for life, and, and Joe Douglas said he wants to make him one as well. But that was kind of an interesting rumor that came up this morning about a an all-pro safety in the final year of his contract and probably going to be the highest-paid safety in the league. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Jamal's just bored in quarantine or if his camp's trying to grab some attention. I think that being as good as he is on a team that's not that good kind of gets to him. You know, I mean, he's such a competitor. Uh, he's seeing his boys back in Baton Rouge go 15-0, winning national championships, uh, and you've got the Jets out here. Sub-500, happy to win seven games, but – uh, look, Billy, their defense is getting better and better. Um, I'm curious what uh, they can put together in this draft, but um, I don't I don't see them shopping them. They're going to want to resign them. Uh, they've signed enough really high pro de- high profile defensive guys in recent years that boy, go go get whatever uh, to protect Sam Darnold uh, and get a couple weapons on offense. And they're not far from being a competitive team. So. Uh, I understand this frustration. I think a lot of this chatter often is born out of that with the man who calls himself the president. Uh, but, yes, I, uh, I do think that the Jets are spot on to come out in front of this and say, look, whatever's happening out there, we ain't involved in it. Yeah, uh, I will say one one team that was rumored for Jamal around the trade deadline was uh, Dallas, where he, of course, is from nearby Louisville. So it'll be interesting to see what they do if they decide to go ahead and you know, maybe offer up that that 17 overall pick, which is kind of rumored to go to Caleb on Chasson potentially uh, in that in that first round. That would be uh, something to kind of watch there. But yeah, I think you re-sign a, an All Pro safety and you try to keep your fan base happy by doing things like that. But uh, Shay Jamal is kind of the way he's playing right now. At least if he keeps it up for another decade or so, he's going to be on pace for the Hall of Fame. We wanted to go ahead and discuss who the potential Hall of Famers were out of the 2020 LSU draft class. Now, the caveat on our morning buzz earlier this week on Wednesday was that it couldn't be Joe Burrow. Your pick couldn't be Joe Burrow. So, Shay, I went with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Felt like even in today's day and age where running backs kind of go through the league pretty quickly, you don't necessarily get some of the longevity. I feel like with Clyde's lack of wear and tear on his body, he could be the one that ends up being a pro football hall of famer. I mean, he gets it done in the passing game. He gets it done in the running game. He could have a Frank Gore type career and Frank Gore is now on pace to be a hall of famer. And he's had that longevity and he's always been able to produce thousand yard seasons. And I feel like Clyde will be able to do something similar like that. Yeah. I went with, uh, on my pick for a little bit of out there, uh, but I went D Lou, Damian Lewis. And I think there's other options. Sure. Of course. Uh, but I think he could be a Larry Little type. That's who I referenced. You could go, you know, Larry Little went undrafted. Damian Lewis is going to probably go in the top 100. But a guy goes undrafted, gets picked up, gets traded, immediately becomes a starter at right guard, and that sort of becomes his position. Uh, and he hits on some Pro Bowl teams. He hit on some All-Pro teams. Uh, and over time, almost on a path similar to what Trey Turner's been on, uh, you become a really, really good NFL player. Then it just depends how long can I stretch that out 
to become a guy who becomes considered uh, as a Hall of Fame type. But to come out of high school with no offers and go to JUCO to be an All-American for two years in JUCO, the only two years he was there, and parlay that into LSU to then start every game that he was on campus in Baton Rouge and win a national championship and become one of the better run blockers in the SEC and the country uh, as he develops and pass pro. I think he's at least going to be a really good pro, so that puts his hat into that ring. Sonny went Lloyd Cushenberry, but Billy, I'm now looking at the votes. The polls ended. Cushenberry, um, let's see. First off, you picked uh, Clyde. Clyde looks like he got the fourth most votes, fifth most, most votes. Damon Lewis didn't get a single vote. I didn't. I guess I didn't even vote in this poll. I just submitted my answer. Um, so nobody voted for my answer. In fact, two people voted for uh, options that weren't even given, so they didn't even give any love to Delu there. But your man Grant Delpit edges out Cushenberry with two votes uh, to become the number one voted person of outside of Joe Burrow, who lands in the Hall of Fame. Not a bad answer. I mean, Delpit would—that's a good pick. Yeah, I almost went to Deke Charles. I've said this before. I think if he has his head on straight, I think if he has his head on straight, I think he's an All Pro guard. I really do. I think he's so strong. I think he'd he'd fit a little bit better inside, not having to deal with some of these NFL edge rushers. And uh, with his strength, I mean, gosh, go back to his his sophomore year and go look at that Miami uh, game clip of him holding off the two guys at once. I mean, that's the type of strength. His, he's pretty nimble on his feet for, I mean, gosh, he's got the biggest calves we've ever seen. Um, he's a former soccer player. I feel like he's got a chance to be an all-pro if he gets his head on straight. Um, but I opted to go ahead and go with Clyde since uh, Clyde has his head on straight, at least for sure. I like it. I like their picks. And, uh, yeah, if y'all haven't caught the, the morning buzz, it's sort of a daily debate uh, where each morning we offer up this sort of uh, kind of question and we give our answers and you can vote for other people in the poll not vote for who I choose with straight up zero votes. That's ridiculous. Um, but look, it's been fun. I think people have liked it. So I'm, I'm glad we got to touch on that. Yeah. So I think that's plenty uh, of discussion for today. It's time for the weekend shady. I hope you guys uh, have a good one. You guys uh, got any superior in your future or anything like that? Oh, for sure. There'll be, it's not planned, but uh, certainly we'll run into uh into sphere margarita at some point over the next 48 hours. And, yeah, no major plans, my friend. Staying, uh, staying safe, staying at the house, and uh, hopefully getting this out of the way sooner than later. Uh, May 1st is my circled date. I'm not trying to go past it. There you go. Well, have a great weekend. Hope everyone else does as well. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.